he's a madman. It's yeah, it's showing. He never skips like day. <laughs> yeah, never skips like day, and it totally shows. Hello, I'm Mark. I'm Justin. We're the J-Pops, and we are attempting parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode 41. Today, we're going to talk about college saving plans for kids and get into our origin stories a little bit about how we uh, we wound up in Japan. Yeah, we thought that would be a good update um, because we've never really talked about our own personal histories and how we wound up in Japan and wound up with these babies. Uh, so I'll kick off and say um, I was born and raised in one small town in Kentucky and uh, went to like high school there, went to college there, graduated from college. And I basically just sort of thought uh, I could do for a change. Let's mix it up a little bit <laughs> after, you know, 21 <clears throat> to 23 years, I guess, in the uh, in the small town Kentucky life. And I was honestly interested by all of Asia because we never studied it in school. It was always like European really? history and American history. Yeah, we never got into any of it. Wow. Were you big? Uh, did your schools? Yeah, Kentucky, <laughs> man. Uh, did your schools cover uh, like any Asian history? Uh, it was it was usually like uh, how it affected like U.S. history, but yeah. there was a lot of like social studies classes that we had like that covered like all of world history and Asia was always included. Yeah, I remember distinctly uh, in social studies class in high school, it would be like, well, chapter five is about China, so we'll be moving on to chapter six, and <laughs> like you would just skip whole chunks of the book. And I always thought, like, well, the names are different. The history is thousands of years long, and it doesn't directly connect to, like, American independence. So they probably right. just skip it. And right. I felt like every year we just sort of rehashed <clears throat> basically European history as it led into North American history. Yeah. So all of Asia was just a big question mark to me. And then I thought, hmm. that's interesting. And... um then I, I got an email when I was a senior in college in 2005. The email said, teach English in China. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I will do it. Yes. And I, <laughs> I made the decision. Like within, I opened the email and five minutes later, I was like, yep, I'll do that. That'll be fine. Wow. I'll, nice. and I was about, you know, I was nearly about to graduate, I guess. So um, I contacted that school in China and it was a total internship. There was no money connected to it. And I thought I need some money. So I abandoned that. I Google searched like teaching English abroad. And then the schools popped up in Japan because it's obviously such a big business in Japan. Mm. And uh, I thought China, Japan, same difference. I'll go for it. It's all fine. And <laughs> I just applied to a school, got accepted and then came over in 2006. Uh, mm. I worked for a couple of small English schools 2006 to 2010 and then you realize that you hit your ceiling really quickly in the conversational english school like in terms mm. of salary and position and all that yeah. and uh i thought the only way to level up further is to get into like a college situation which takes a master's degree at least so i came to vermont for a couple of years uh my wife and i we got married right at the end of my stay in uh in japan in 2010 
we got married, came uh, came to Vermont for two years. Then in 2012, got the master's, came back to Japan, and uh, started working at a college. And I've been there ever since, which is uh, 10 years on now. Nice. So uh, that's kind of the back and forth with America hmm. and Japan that I had. Um, I think, you know, during all that back and forth, we always talked about kid-wise, you know, like when we were uh, in Japan kind of planning to come back to the U.S. for school, it's like, oh, the timing's not good to have a kid. We're in the U.S. at school and not really working full-time. Timing's not good to have a kid. And then we came back to Japan, and I was only on a contract with the college. And it's like, mm. well, we're in a rented house. I'm only on a contract. The timing's not good. But by that time, you're in your. We were in our early 30s, I guess. Mm. So biologically, you've got to start the ball rolling on trying to have a kid. And um, we ended up thinking, like, well, okay, it's kind of now or never if we're gonna take a try at it. And I believe we were at it, uh, as we discussed before, you know, with the um, fertility clinics and all, uh, just like before the fertility clinics, just trying to have a kid naturally. Then at the fertility clinics, that whole process probably was like three years, I would guess, maybe three yeah. or four years. Yeah, yeah. Before the kid finally came about, uh, we were both, what, 30, uh, yeah, 38 when the, the child was finally born. Mm. So, um we were uh yeah at that all through the mid 30s to late 30s and that brings us up to present that is nice. my whole japan history backlog story i wonder if you would have ended up <clears throat> in china if you would have done any better it's like a hundred percent kanji then oh yeah like at least japanese has a little bit of buffer we get with the katakana and hiragana but yeah know. I've heard that uh, this is all hearsay because I don't know anything about Chinese, but I've heard that there's almost sort of less rule in Chinese. And you just in, uh, you know, according to some rules, you line up your kanji in a row and then people understand them. But in <laughs> Japan, it's like, you know, you've got your three alphabets working against each other all the time and uh, gotcha. it gets more complicated with how to use them. And uh, I, I've heard that Japanese is actually more difficult, though kanji is the significant hurdle for Chinese, of course. Right. Yeah. But I, I wonder more about if I had wound up in China. Like, if that had been a paying job, I think I would have gone to China, and I would have been there from, say, 2005 on. Um, and that would be a wildly different story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But anyway, that's my whole deal. So what about you? Nice. Um, yeah, I pretty much grew up in and around Seattle, Washington. And I never really had an interest in coming over here. It just kind of happened. Like mm -hmm. I was going to college at a local community college with a satellite university campus attached to it. And then... I had I had a, a Japanese roommate at the time, and uh, we would always go and hang out together and have sushi and whatever. And then one day I met a girl who happened to be one of his friends and kind of helped get us together. And that's how I met my wife. We, we both went to the college together. And then after the college, my wife had a year of what's called an OPT, which is like a optional work time 
after your school visa expires that you can get more experience. And so she did that for a year, but then had to leave. So she, uh, she worked on a cruise ship for a while. I think it was like six months or something. She's probably going to mm-hmm. kill me. I'm not remembering exactly. Uh, but then after that, we were like, well, what do we want to do? And it was either we could try to figure out visas and go to America. And at that time, we're like, well, if we settle down in America, like we're never going to move to Japan because it'll be too mm-hmm. hard. So mm-hmm. we're like, well, let's move to Japan first and, you know, just kind of live around there. And at the time, I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to have to quit my job and then become an English teacher in Japan. But my job was actually really cool. They were just like, yeah, you can work remote. Go ahead. So I was like, oh, okay. I get to keep my job and now just travel. (laughs) Yeah, years before coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, So I came over here. It was like the end of 2013. At that point, she'd finished the cruise ship and then come back to Seattle for a few months. And then we decided to leave that December. And so when we got to Japan... That December 2013, we got married right away in Japan and then decided to move straight to Osaka for a year. At which point, it was Osaka's nice. I like living there, but I think uh, I had some work stuff come up. So after about a year living there, my job gave me a promotion, but they told me the only stipulation I could get is I had to go back to Seattle. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'll get more money, but. I'll have to move back. And I was like, well, we'll just apply for visas and we'll try to get Moe to move back eventually. So I went back first and did all the visa stuff that I could do. And after about a year, I just gave up on it. It was the hardest, stupidest thing I've ever dealt with. And so we just decided a year later that I would just move back to Japan but not to Osaka this time because all her family's in Toyama. So we decided to kind of live nearby and we started in Kanazawa, which Mm. is kind of a bigger city for the area. When you had to give up on the visa process, did that mean you also gave up on the promotion and that job path? No, actually over the course of the year, that job kind of dissolved and I transitioned into another position at the company. Mm -hmm. And so it actually worked out quite well that I would come back to Japan then because mm. then I, I could just do everything remote and I, I wouldn't have to be there for anything. Very fortunate. Yeah. Uh, and that's <clears throat> awesome. Yeah. So yeah, then kids stuff, we didn't really start thinking about till after we moved to Kanazawa and that was 2015. No, 2016. Um, but we weren't really like, seriously thinking about it right away um it's always it was always in the back of our minds but i was getting older i think at that point i was late 30s so i was like should happen soon Mm -hmm. and then we started looking into getting a house i think when i was growing up we moved around a lot so i was in a lot of apartments as a kid and every year we'd be in like a different place Mm -hmm. and when i had a kid it was kind of my goal to be more stable Mm-hmm. like i i like moving around but as a kid you're constantly having to make new friends go to new schools and eventually you just become the kid on the outside who doesn't have friends yeah and so i didn't want that for for our kids so i was like well 
I want to get a house first. I want to be established and live somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so, so I kind of like we got that squared away first, and then really started trying for the kid. That's um, couldn't be further from my own upbringing. I was just in one small town that my right. family had has lived in for generations, and that's where I'm back at right now. Um, while I'm mm-hmm. kind of on this America vacation, so um, I had that sort of like either people knew me from just going to school or they knew my dad or they knew my grandparents or I had an aunt who wrote for the newspaper and they knew the name and like all that kind of stuff and it's all very local and very uh small town around here that's pretty cool though yeah it's good to have like that deep of a connection I was just thinking um like if uh, I didn't have any family in this city then I might never come back to it other than maybe once out of curiosity just oh yeah I remember that place but yeah. uh, I have a strong drive to come back here because it's like I've got so many siblings here and then just so much, I don't know, hundred well, not hundreds, but certainly a hundred or more years of like family history built up right. around here. Do you have yeah. that sort of connection to any town that you grew up in? Um, yeah, I not in Seattle. So my dad moved us. Originally, I'm from Pennsylvania, a little town called Allentown. Actually, the town mm-hmm. I'm from is called Sladington, which is a really, really small town. Mm-hmm. But he moved us to Seattle when I was like four and a half, maybe five years old. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have much memory when I was a kid. I ended up moving back there when I was 20 uh, just to get to know the rest of my family. I have like four aunts and tons mm-hmm. of cousins on my dad's side and then kind of the same on my mom's side. So it's kind of a huge family. Mm -hmm. Um, but nothing really in Seattle right now. It's just my dad, my sister and her kids are there, but they're not, Mm -hmm. they're not in like Seattle proper. They're just on the South side of town. Yeah, I see. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it is certainly good to have your kid, uh, in one stable location. I mean, it feels better to me to have the kid sort of grow up with people, uh, you know, year after year after year and, to know a certain area uh, pretty deeply. Uh, yeah. that's I'm, I'm always torn because it'll be Kanazawa for us, but um, we'll be coming back to Owensboro, you know, hopefully every year. Owensboro mm. is the small town in Kentucky that I'm from. Uh, so hopefully the, the boy will have some connection to this city. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he'll feel it or not, but um, I certainly do. I always feel the drive to come back here. As someone who left a small town when they were younger, I didn't feel that drive. We would oh, go yeah. back every couple of years and see it, but for me, it was just like a place in the distance. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't really connected so much. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, those are our origin stories, everybody. <laughs> I know there's been a lot of clamoring to hear Mark and my origin stories, so now hopefully we've placated the masses. Mm. Uh, we've divulged all the details, but um, if you like, we can get into the segments. Oh, I still have update, though. Oh, update. Yeah, please, by all means. Update it's just away. a short one. This uh, Like a week and a half ago, Coda got his tuberculosis vaccine, which is a nine needle stamp pressed oh, he got twice that one. into his arm <laughs> wow it's, I've never it's understood like a torture device i don't understand it yeah i've you can see this 
uh, on Japanese people, maybe other countries do it too, but certainly not in America, you can see that scar on people's arms. Yeah. And it looks like a domino or something. Yeah. It's like a sort of rectangle of many, many dots that leaves a scar for life. Um, so Coda uh, went that road, huh? You got the <clears throat> yeah. big boy. Yeah. Did did Nico not get it? Nico didn't get it. Um, I don't know if it's in his future or something, but um, oh, he, yeah, I, did, he I, had, I was shot. under the impression it's not elective. Well, uh, my wife does not have it. Does your wife have that scar? No. Yeah, so I think that there are. Um, <laughs> I, I should look up this information. I think there are some people who, if you test one way or the other, you have to get it or you don't have to get it or something. I don't oh, think really? it's like a blanket 100% of the people. Hmm. As usual, full of information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, full of information. <laughs> we will uh, ask some Japanese people and get back to this two weeks from today. We <laughs> <Yeah>. promise. <clears throat> um, that's, yeah, that's pretty much my updates, though. Yeah, so I assume he wailed and wailed <clears throat> at the massive, horrible domino shot. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. The doctor really presses that thing in there because it just looks like a regular stamp, and he's mm-hmm. really just got to jam it on. And yeah. then there's a nurse like holding his arm, like kind of breaking it. <laughs> it looks like, <laughs> and then he's just yeah. pressing. Yeah, Coda's having a terrible time. Yeah, I wonder why it has to be the arm. By the way, why couldn't it be like one of those fat yeah, put it thighs? On the butt. Yeah, something like that. Because every time he has a short sleeve shirt on or a tank top or whatever, it's like, oh, yeah, look at that massive scar from your uh, vaccination as a child. Now he's going to have to get a tattoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're leading kids down the path of Yakuza, whether they mean to or not. They're pushing children into the Yakuza. I've always said that. (laughs) Well, uh, good luck, Dakota. I don't know if that's in Nico's future or not, but um, uh, yeah, I dread it if it is. Yeah, good luck. Segmentin' time. Segmentin'. You are Johnny on the spot with the segment today, so what do you got? Kind of. I've been looking into college savings plans for CODA. Mm -hmm. Um just because I don't want there to be any concern when he's older. Mm-hmm. And unlike me, have to take out a ton of student loans to go to college, mm. which, you know, you don't even need, but you have to get it. Mm. <laughs> so a couple of things. There's a, there's a few differences in America and Japan. I discovered that you can invest in college plans in America if you do live in Japan. Mm-hmm. But you have to have a residence or you have to have an address there that you can claim as a residence, I think, which kind of mm-hmm. makes it sounds like you're lying, but they say you can live abroad. So I don't really know how it works. It may be like when we do taxes, we have what's called a domicile, which is something that roots us to a certain state or gives us a U.S. presence. And my domicile is always Kentucky, uh, but I don't actually own property here it's just i kind of claim oh yeah i'm connected to my dad's house i guess Mm. Uh, so maybe it's like that sort of loose affiliation or something i think so 
Yeah. Uh, so the ma- the main plan that you can choose um, to save for your kid's ch- um, college education is called a 529 plan. And mm-hmm. I think every state, if not just most states in the U.S., has an option for this. And mm-hmm. just because you live in a state does not mean you have to do that state's 529 plan. Mm. So you can like shop around. You can... If you're in Kentucky, you can go to New York and use their plan or wherever else. It doesn't really matter because they all kind of, like everything in America, everything slightly varies state to state. Mm -hmm. So there are some benefits and whatnot to get a different state's plan. But overall, Mm -hmm. these these plans are um, considered like tax advantage plans. So you won't have to pay the taxes on them when they take the money out in the future, Mm, as long as that as long as that is used towards their education. And I think all these plans, I'm not sure about every state, but I think all of them cover K through 12 education as well as college. So you could get Mm. these and try to do like, if you wanted to do like a private secondary school or something, you can do Mm -hmm. that. That's cool. Um, And have you gone so far as to choose your 529 plan and get the ball rolling on it? I did. Um, it's pretty confusing, and I didn't look into it like each state. Um, I just kind of like broadly searched like the best ones, and then I'm from Seattle, so I looked up the the one in Washington State, which is the one I ended up going with. Um, it's it's okay. I mean, they have two different options that you can do. One is like a savings plan where you just kind of invest money, and that money is always going to be at whatever value you've put into it. The other one Mm -hmm. is called a, like a prepaid tuition plan. So you basically, you're buying credits at the Mm -hmm. value when you start the plan. Mm -hmm. So it depends how you think inflation is going to go basically. Okay. Uh, I just did the savings plan just because it seemed easier. And then you're not locked into a, a certain school or an area. If you do the prepaid tuition one, it kind of sounded like you're locked into that area's school. Mm-hmm. And this sort of thing would only be cash inable, I guess, if he goes to a school in the U.S. somewhere, or could this that, all transfer back into Japan? Yeah, I looked up that a lot, and it sounds like it's just U.S. I see. So if he doesn't go to a school in the U.S., you could still get the money back but you would just have to, it would incur some taxes, I guess. Right. Okay. Interesting. It does cover like not just tuition though. So it would cover like room and board or like other things like that. So I don't know if you could apply for that and go to a Mm. college out of state or out of country. Maybe. Yeah. This stuff, it's always so complicated. Um, Yeah. Like all these fine rules. And I feel like just, living kind of the with one foot in two different countries um oftentimes there aren't answers to the questions we have because they're (laughs) so specific to like this what if my kid has dual citizenship and has an account here and wants to go to a college (laughs) there and it's like no one's ever encountered these variables before right Uh, so it's always tough to like actually pin down answers on these things 
Um, right. Do you have a goal, like a certain amount of money in mind? Is there a target amount of money that you're trying to hit? Or is that built into the plan? Or is that something you choose? It's something that you can choose for each plan. Um, I don't personally have a goal. I think what I did with this one is I just set it up for uh, biweekly $50 increments, mm-hmm. which I think... I think by the time he's 18, it should be like 10 to 15 grand. It's not going to be mm-hmm. a ton, <clears throat> but I'm also going to save in uh, mutual funds. And then also in Japan, they have their own programs that mm. we're going to start up too. Yeah, that's interesting to um, kind of spread the bets around the table a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the Japanese plan is a little different. They don't have something quite as similar as like the 529 plan. But mm-hmm. they do have like a savings slash insurance plan for colleges. Mm. And it works kind of the same way. It's like that um, tax advantage plan that the kid can use once they're a certain age. But it also has that insurance aspect to it. Whereas if something happens to you, like this one, you would set a goal and say, mm-hmm. like, we're going to save for like Nikakumon, like 200, like 2 million yen or something. Mm-hmm. And then you'll pay incrementally over the years to do that. But if you, as the guardian, die before that's paid off, those mm-hmm. plans will just give them as if you paid it off. And that's a Japanese uh, structure that you've looked into? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think that um, the college savings is very wise. It's something that is on the minds of most parents but not me buddy <laughs> i haven't thought about it at all and uh part of it why is... don't you make every listener jealous and explain your college yeah. background <laughs> yeah first of all i've never paid a dime to any college in my life <laughs> i've uh i got uh i basically went for free to my undergrad four years i was just like fortunate enough to hear about a scholarship opportunity at a certain Son school. Of a bitch. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, your jealousy fuels me. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was like I had I had applied to this college here in town locally. It's called Kentucky Wesleyan College um, in Owensboro, Kentucky. I had applied to the college, and they received my application and actually called me, and they said oh, actually, we're doing interviews for a certain scholarship tomorrow. Can you come tomorrow? And I was going to just try to get this scholarship. And I was like, yeah, let me check my work schedule. And I, I didn't have to work <laughs> that morning. And so um, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come by. We'll see what's up. And then I went and applied and did interviews and all that. And I got chosen to do it. And it was yeah. all tuition wiped out. No tuition at all. Don't have to pay any tuition. Right. Um, and it's in my hometown, so I lived in a dorm one year, but other than that, I lived uh, in an apartment or with my uh, parents, and, um, and so room and board was kind of negligible, and I had a couple of savings bonds to cash in for my grandmother, you know, that took care of some books and fees. Nice. So my uh, undergrad, uh, those savings bonds were specifically for college, you know, so that was set aside for me. Uh but yeah, undergrad was nothing. And then when I went to graduate school, I paid out of pocket for one year of it. And then the second year of it, I worked for the school and working for them, they waived all of my fees for the college. So Crazy. I've got 
six years of college and I paid outright for one of those years. And it was like after we had gotten married and, you know, in Japan, it's like a mafia movie. Everybody gives you envelopes full of cash. And uh, we had like a certain amount of money in the bank account and it was enough to cover one year of grad school. And grad school is actually, to my mind, not that expensive. Um, uh, The credits seemed cheaper than undergrad to me. I don't know the numbers Hmm. and all this stuff, but it wasn't that bad. So uh, I think I were in. Yeah, and the college I went to was quite expensive for undergrad, but again, I didn't live on campus, had no room and board there, um, and I don't know. I don't know what the difference is, but I think I ended up paying them, say, like uh, $10,000, maybe less, mm. um, and then the other year of it was taken care of. So for, like yeah, six years of education, I think I've probably paid out of pocket like 10000 and I never took a loan for any of it. Wow. So um, in my mind, it's like, yeah, college takes care of itself, doesn't it? That's <laughs> always been my thinking. <laughs> Just like dumbly skipping through the minefield of college uh, loans oh and stuff. God. But um, now I teach at a college. And so there are certain benefits to that in terms of if a professor or I'm an assistant professor, but if a teacher at the school, if their kid wants to go to any college, then there are things that are worked out in terms of like waiving tuition Mm. or like even I've allegedly, I've never looked into this policy myself, but I've heard from other uh, teachers that our college will match up to our college's tuition at other colleges as well for the children of uh, like tenured professors or something like that. So I think that there are going to be just more and more golden parachutes pulled all over my life. (laughs) Golden parachutes (laughs) nonstop. Uh, Uh. So, uh, but that's, you know, I'm uh, like not banking on it because policies could change in the 17 years in between now and when my kid is actually old enough to go to college. The whole structure of colleges could be different. You know, trade schools might overtake on, like, value for money or whatever. This this um, is Japan. It'll take 20 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I say it now, someone will catch wind of it 20 years from now. So, right. yeah, so it'll be the same. But, you know, the thing about Japan, falling birth rate, it's been happening for, like, 20 years now. And that means that schools are hit the hardest by the falling birth rate because mm. it's like that age, that cohort of po- the population, those are the people populating the schools. So schools are closing down or consolidating or not hiring as many teachers. And um, I've noticed at schools around Japan, things only get brushed back like budget-wise. Right. So I, I could easily imagine a future where it's like, sorry, we can't do tuition for your kids anymore. Like that could just spring up in our lives in the next 10 or 15 years. So um, I'm not banking on it. I'm also not too worried about it. And um, I don't know, college is like in America, it's like just on the border of even being necessary because the tuition rates are so outrageous yeah, uh, that there are ways around it, like community colleges and trade schools, which end up being more profitable um, if you don't have to pay much and then get a good salary afterwards. Right. So I just feel like it's so unpredictable, like what's going to happen with um, the value of college and how much will it be? Where will my kid live? And there are too many variables. And then I end up just sort of trusting that it'll work itself out because I can't figure it out from here. 
it doesn't seem like college would ever like be unnecessary if, if anything it would be the opposite like it's almost going to become obligatory like all right i finished high school on to college mm-hmm. like you have to go i mean it almost yeah. feels that way now if you want any kind of job that's not retail and even some yeah. retail jobs you kind of need college it's certainly um you know all the numbers point to college still being a valuable investment even in america where the prices are outrageous yeah. um if you uh i mean as recent as the numbers are um if you go to college and take on all that debt your lifetime earnings are still higher than somebody who didn't go to college and didn't take on all that debt on average so right. it is the best play on average still but i think that markets tend to like go toward parity on that sort of stuff like um colleges you know if they're gaining you more over the course of your life then they could still stand to raise their tuitions a little bit because it's Mm -hmm. like hey guess what you're still making more so pay us a little bit more um so i think there's still room for that to increase and then maybe it'll hit some like moment i wish it would would go up though at the rate of like inflation yeah that would be nice (laughs) Because it doesn't seem like it is. Like, earnings kind of follow the rate of inflation. So somebody graduated college incrementally, making a little bit more now. But college tuition is like, I don't know, four times what it used to be? Yeah, I think it's like, um, I don't know, it's like if you devised a lottery system and the lottery paid out way too much money to people whoever designed the lottery would be like, oh, we've got to start raising these ticket prices, you know? And I think that's what colleges are doing because it's still a good investment to do it. So I think the colleges will continue to edge up their tuitions until they get basically close to equal. Uh, And if that happens, then all bets are off and you could sort of choose to go a different path. What is equal then? Like not being able to pay off the loans in your lifetime? Like is like, uh, that break even? Break even would be not taking on the loans, not going to college, and those lifetime earnings, equaling college lifetime earnings, but with those loans as a big minus out of it. You know, I think there's still room for the mm-hmm. the college tuition prices to increase, but um, yeah. I, so I think in America, people see the cash opportunity and they'll grab it every time. So I would imagine that tuitions will just continue to go up here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, Japan, I, I don't know the market that well. And, uh, it's amazing to me, by the way, Japanese college, one thing I can say about it is it's not a full on like capitalist smash and grab like it is in the U S like, um, when I'm walking through the college campus, they'll have dinner. This is 2022 prices. We're talking about, it's like five bucks or something for Mm. the full plate of like the, uh, you know, dinner, dinner time. Um, and the lunch at the school used to be like three and a half dollars or something. Um, I I think the prices have gone up a little bit, but you're talking about like four bucks for lunch, like six bucks for dinner. And you're, it's a Japanese thing where you've got to have like five different dishes to make it a meal, you know? Mm. Um, and oftentimes, uh, my wife and I, before we had Nico, we would be at home and we'd be like, you know, the cheapest way to eat is to go to that cafeteria at college <laughs> and pay them 
and it's like they're somehow making meals for and selling them for less than the cost of all the ingredients like it just blows our mind they must get a subsidy or something there has to be something like that or just the act of buying in bulk for thousands of kids Mm. but um when i was in uh undergrad and we're going back now 20 years the price at that time was two or three times what the price is in japan when i pay for the meal Um, another one is when i walk through the gift shop at our college it's like yeah you want a t-shirt that's 15 bucks and then a college in America, you want a t-shirt, it's 45 bucks, you know? It's like they just don't gouge all the time everywhere in Japan for the pricing. Right. Uh, tuition, obviously, for four years of tuition, I think you've probably looked at the numbers more than I have, but I think it's less than half for four yeah. years of tuition on average in Japan. Yeah, depends if you're resident, I guess, in in the States. Yeah. But um, it, it's also the double-edged sword of you want your kid to have the u.s education experience at some point just for the variety and just to get some of the skills that are focused on there so it would be nice for them to go but man the price yeah that's wild yeah i don't think unless sometime after high school like we can get coda to live there for like a year to get residency and then Mm -hmm. go to like a community college i think that's always the best way to go yeah like just going all four years to four year college if you can't obviously get a scholarship or something like mm-hmm. a community college is a great way to go yeah i've always said that unless you're on like an ivy league track and you're going to go to the one of the top schools in the nation and then that's mm-hmm. going to play into your employment afterward like you get hired somewhere that only takes ivy league people if you're on that like 1 to 2% of the population track then by all means go for it but if you're like the other, like say 98% of us, <laughs> then go to a community college for God's sake, because yeah. you can do two years there <laughs> near your house, save thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars, mm. and then pop into another school, all your credits transfer, it's easy, two more years, and then you get the bachelor's, and nobody knows the difference. No. So that is And if you're lucky, they'll... The the university will have a satellite campus at your community college, so you can just yeah. stay right there. Yeah, that sort of thing's more and more available all the time. People are trying to offer programs online totally. Yep. So um, just avoid the costs. And like, uh, oh, this is some life advice for all you teenagers out there who are trying to decide. And listening to what... a dad's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is for, you know, a bit of the younger crowd. Uh, Like, it's very difficult in life to actually make a mistake. Um, Like, if you, and I remember being, you know, 15, 16, 17, you would get all those postcards from all the colleges. And I would look at the first few and be like, oh, this place looks awesome. And then I'd have in my mind, I want to go to that place. And it's based on a postcard, like just a two-page advertisement for them. And had I chosen any of the hundred odd, you know, different colleges that sent me some recruitment stuff, uh, not recruitment, but just, you know, ad- advertisements for their school, I would have been fine. And it's mm. not like one of them was going to overshadow all of the rest. And if it were, there's very little chance I would be able to discern from those ads and college campus visits which of the hundred would be good for me. You know, it's like very hard to make that decision from the outside. Yeah. 
So um, don't get wrapped up in any like uh, fleeting connection you may have to a school. Just think about the tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt sitting on the other side of what is essentially an equal experience across most schools. Right. So I'll um, always encourage people to hit the you know, community college first and do that sort of thing. In Japan, I'm sure this is all way different. I haven't like, you know, priced across the board. I don't know what the community college situation in Japan even is or if that exists, but as far as I know it doesn't exist. Yeah, I don't think it's a thing. But um anyway that's because they my have more of like the anyway. trade high school route that kids yeah. can go. And yeah. so I think if you're not going college route and going into that high school, then you go like trade high school route. Yeah. It is amazing the um, sort of early age at which Japanese kids will begin to specialize in something or choose yeah, a dude, school it's crazy. that it's has like a junior specialty. high, you got a plan. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's high schools. It's like this is the baseball high school, this is the agricultural high school, this is the mm. academic high school, and you sort of have to test in and choose which one you want to go to. So, yeah, they're all over it early here. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it is a little more. They choose a track earlier and and go about it that way. Mm. Anyway, that's good info for college saving. Good, good thing yeah. for other people to think about. Not me though. <laughs> good luck I'm, with that golden parachute. I'm floating on the breeze, baby. <laughs> it's a golden parachute. Uh, well, what happens next? Japanese of the day. Japanese of the day. Japanese of the day today is, this is back to baby talk, this is denyushoku, denyushoku, and it's a three kanji word, and it basically means the food that your baby eats first, uh, sort of coming off of breast milk and being bottle fed, it's that Mm. first solid food, it's called denyushoku, so the, the din, R-I-N, din, that character means to separate or to be away from something. Um, the you, it's you, u, that character means uh, milk, in this case, breast milk. Uh, mm-hmm. So separating from breast milk, and of course, shoku means food. So this is the separating from breast milk food. I think din, you, taken together, those first two kanji characters, basically mean weaning. It's like separating uh, from milk. So it's like right. weaning, and then the last character food it's the weaning food uh so we're in the thick of it and i think you guys started up uh two three weeks ago on the dinyu shoku as well yeah yeah this actually leads perfectly into my question for you is all right well without further ado let's question it up uh yeah so i actually forgot in my updates like we've been doing pretty steadily on the on the solid food introducing new stuff for the past two weeks and coda is doing really really well obviously like we have a little plan it's like rice uh we add in some carrots we added some Mm -hmm. pumpkin we got some spinach and then today was supposed to be fish but tomorrow is going to be fish Mm -hmm. Um, and there's also been some tofu in there but Mm -hmm. being back in america you're obviously not following that system anymore so 
what have you guys been feeding Nico for his solid food time? Uh, that's a good question. Um, we have had kind of a blended Japanese American experience because my wife did pack some of the powdered uh, baby foods that you just mix with water. Um, oh, really? So Which ones are those? Uh, we've got a few in the pantry still. You know, we've worked our way through them over the last three weeks, but there's um, uh, one that's sort of like sweet potato uh, pumpkin uh, okay. mixed together, and it comes <laughs> in like a, a little, like, um, I don't know what the equivalent is in the U.S., but, you know, like, oh, remember uh, Crystallite, yeah. <laughs> like flavored <laughs> powder that you would add to water? It's right. in a very slim foil packet like that, uh, like a mm. bit fatter and bigger than a pixie stick. But you pour it out, and then you uh, basically mix some water in, and you've got some uh, gotcha. instant pumpkin. It's dehydrated pumpkin and sweet potato, I guess. We've got another one, which is uh, bread-based, uh, which people in the U.S., my family who have had kids recently, they'd never heard of this, but it's like bread that's mush. Uh, and oh. it's meant to just be kind of a, I guess, a wheat-based uh, sort of pasty baby food. But it's yeah. like the baby's version of bread. So we've got some of that in store. And these are all is like that, Japanese packages and everything. Is that like full-on gluten? I imagine it is, yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, haven't checked the nutritional information on the side. And if I had, I wouldn't have been able to read it. So I have yeah. no idea. Uh, but I imagine that that sounds about right. Um, then we've got, yeah, a few of those powdered things, but since we've been in America, we've taken the opportunity, like, um, my stepmom here has a tomato plant outside and tomatoes was on the list. So we got some mm. of her tomatoes and just mashed them through a screen, gave them nice. a bit of tomato. We bought some, uh, strawberries at the supermarket, mashed a Ooh. whole strawberry through a screen and we have some frozen strawberry cubes now. Nice. He eats one of those every couple of days. Um, and we did venture into the baby food aisle at a supermarket, and we picked up, like, cinnamon bananas, because I think bananas was on the list. So mm, yeah, uh, we got a few of those. I mean, it's I don't actually know the baby food market in Japan, but in the U.S., it's just hundreds and hundreds of combinations and so many yeah. options. So banana was on the list, and we got cinnamon banana, and it's uh, it's been... A moderate hits like everything else so we're like very much uh between the two worlds with the baby food right now with the gotcha. dinyu shoku hmm. that's good yeah um are you guys staying the course you're uh have you gotten into any like proteins any egg you said fish is tomorrow Just but any other the tofu he tried uh mm -hmm. earlier this week he had a couple days of it so far and then tomorrow's gonna be fish Mm. and has he taken to anything or hated anything or is it all pretty much just a straight face to like what are you doing to me um yeah it seems like i guess i wasn't there for carrot day but i guess uh -huh. carrot day was not a success he uh -huh. didn't dislike it but it was definitely like a grimace and like yeah. what are you putting in my mouth yeah yeah i think everything else he's pretty he he likes he takes mm. it down pretty quick. He's a good eater. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Nico is the same way. He just sort of, um, we just spoon it all in. He takes it all down. He doesn't like, 
get enthusiastic about any of it and Mm. he just kind of keeps eating it and i think the experience is so new and overwhelming that it's not about like this is good or bad it's just like this is so weird yeah um and he has been a little bit more hesitant on the things that we just straight mash up and give to him like i would have thought the strawberry was a big treat but the strawberry is mashed through a screen and then frozen and then thawed and so i'm not (laughs) sure if it loses some of its strawberryness in that process strawberries Uh, can get pretty bitter too maybe yeah i think there's some sourness and he doesn't seem to be a fan but again it's so hard to tell he just like looks at me with a half panic but half stoic Mm. face after he eats everything (laughs) so um it's hard to to really differentiate but i would say strawberry is low on the list you're older he's like yeah exactly i'll do this to you old man (laughs) but yeah so it's uh it's been good it's um here's another little uh a tip i think for feeding the baby some solid foods at first you might think that um it's best to feed him like right before a regular breastfeeding because Mm. It's like, well, he'll be at peak hunger, and that's when he'll just wolf it all down. But in my experience, that's when Nico is fussiest because he wants the breast milk, and oh. you're trying to feed him this other stuff, and he's like, no, nope, not it. This is not it. And then he's wow. continues to be fussy. And I don't think he associates being spoon-fed yet with the comfort of being full. Hmm. He just associates bottle or breastfeeding with the comfort of being full. So, um, he, do you know how many grams he's getting right now? Uh, we're a little all over the map. We're trying different things and we're just kind of eyeballing it. So we'll, um, maybe a Yumi knows more in detail, but, um, I kind of give him like four five or six frozen cubes of various food. Okay. And, uh, it's more than I thought he'd be able to eat. He's, um, wolfing down quite a lot, but. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's eaten quite a lot, but, um, you have to do it like, obviously if it's right after he's fed, he won't be hungry and won't want to, you don't want to stuff him. So like probably like an hour, hour and a half after he's been fed where he's just kind of going about his business, then he's open to it. So, um, I had that theory that like, oh yeah, I'm going to wait. And then when he's like pretty peaked, then he'll take to it. But that was the wrong course. (laughs) <laughs> interesting yeah i don't think it matters coda's just happy to eat it yeah and i've seen videos of the bottle <laughs> yeah man he uh as you said he's like past nico in weight it's long ago now mm. um and i was watching videos of coda on family album just today and i was like that child has some legs like i've never seen before yeah it, yeah his whole thigh region it's like a different <laughs> it's different than nico i don't totally know what it is beast. like he loves like jumping up and down so if you're holding him he'll just sit there and continuously do squats yeah <laughs> yeah he's a madman uh, it's it's yeah, showing he never skips leg day <laughs> yeah never skips leg day and it totally shows uh mm. but yeah he is a very solid boy so i'm sure he's I mean, he has to be just taking down the calories way more than Nico is. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're up to like five or six cubes, which is like 25, 30 grams of solid yeah. food every day now. Yeah, we're in that uh, in that neighborhood for sure. 
Yeah. Uh, and are you doing it just once a day? Yeah, I think we have another week or so at once a day, and then we go up to twice a day. Yeah, we're doing twice a day now pretty regularly, trying to break into three times a day. Ooh. Uh, and it's like, that's another thing to be wary of is when you start spoon feeding a kid, it's like one cube worth of basically liquid. Right. And it goes so quickly. And you're like, oh, feeding your kid takes two minutes. That's interesting. And then you start to do like more and more grams and it becomes twice and then three times a day and it turns into a much bigger event yeah. uh, and with a lot more cleanup and it just takes time to get through all the bites of food. So um, I was kind of deceived by how easy it was at the beginning. Now it's like turning into a more time consuming thing and my wife does it like 75% of the time. So I'm sure I'm still like <laughs> just getting the, the light end on it. I'm sure. Can't wait till they can hold their own spoon. Yeah. Oh, there's something we should look into for future episodes, by the way, called baby led weaning. Oh, and yeah. I've looked into that. Yeah, that seems good. It's sort of roughly like just you put the food out there and the kid, if he wants it, takes it. And uh, like yeah. it's based on his interest in the food. And yeah. uh, then you get a very messy kid out of it, but he's like spending time putting things in his own mouth. Yeah. So that may be something to look uh, into. Reading, I thought that's more of like a one year than after stage. Yeah. I've known um, kids to do it at seven to eight months, but uh, I guess it would depend on the parent and the method and exactly the type of food. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah something to look into. I thought we could talk about it here once. Maybe we've would, tried it a little bit. I would love to try that, but that would be that would be so messy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, always a double-edged sword with the boys. Uh, well, we should try it in America where things are a little more like we could put them out in the yard and let them pick up food. <laughs> you know? That's a good idea. Take a video it's for easier. us, put it on family family album, so we can see yeah. how it went. Yeah, just call it a picnic. We're nice. within our rights. We can get into the dad jokes if you like. Sure. I got two short ones. I hastily chose a couple of dad jokes. I've got two as well. Okay. So please do us the honor. Dear Math, grow up and solve your own problems. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> some pretty brutally aggressive like uh, commentary against math there. Jeez. Yep. <laughs> I've got a school-related one here. What's the king of all school supplies? I don't know. The ruler. Uh, it is the ruler. <laughs> I once had a dream. I was floating in an ocean of orange soda, but it was more of a fantasy. <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> Very nice stuff. Uh, lastly, why don't oysters share their pearls? They're shellfish. Ping pong. Very good. <laughs> that is exactly nice. right. <laughs> Okay. Very, very good. <laughs> very good dad jokes. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, 